Hello, this is Kenny Williamson, and welcome back to another episode of McKill's Deck Chronicles. In today's episode, um, we were going to talk just a little bit about some things that kind of makes the devil angry, in my opinion. Um, so I've got 12 things here that, 12 different subjects that you can talk about these different things and it will make people, some people, and the devil really angry. A lot of people that this makes angry are Christians, so-called. And I believe that these are people who claim to be Christians who are, in fact, not Christians. So, um, let's see here. Where can we get started here? Now, I've noticed that in ministry in general, any type of Bible studies or anything that you can do here, you can talk about and teach certain things and nobody gets upset about it, okay? Nobody gets worked up. In fact, it's just exactly the opposite. They're like, oh, amen, brother. Thank you. Praise the Lord. However, there are certain topics, if you mention, and I'm, we're going to go over these 12 topics here, that you mention these different topics, and it's going to be kind of like a bomb going off, okay? People don't like it. They don't want to talk about it. They get upset. They get irritated. And so, in my opinion, it's a good thing if you do talk about this kind of stuff if you're a Christian, because I believe that the devil does not want you to talk about these things. So, I'm going to go over these 12, then I'm going to go back and elaborate on them a little bit, but we'll just do them one by one here. So, the very first thing, let's see here. Number one would be the Bible version issue. Number two, the Trinity issue. Number three, Jesuits. Number four, church buildings. Number five, segregation. Number six, gender distinction. Number seven, pacifism. Number eight, the catching up before the time of Jacob's trouble, which is also called the pre-trib rapture. Okay, number nine is the defense of Israel. Number 10 is dispensationalism. Number 11 is repentance and a changed life that follows true salvation. And number 12 is eternal security. So those are the 12 things, in my opinion, that's going to get you in trouble if you're a new Christian. Okay, and you start to learn you know, you start to read your Bible and you start to ask questions. And if you actually read your Bible, you're going to start running across questions that have to do with these things. And, you know, you want to learn. And these are issues that you want to talk about other people with innocently. So you innocently go in and you want to talk to other people that you think, okay, are Christians. And you end up bringing up one of these 12 issues and you might be shocked at how all of a sudden that Christian so-called that you're talking to gets very angry with you. They get very upset, okay? So you wouldn't think a Christian would get upset with another Christian when you start asking questions and trying to learn what God's Word says, but you'd be surprised. Okay, so let's try to go over these um, pretty quickly. Let's see. Number one, um, the Bible version issue. Okay. 
So my question is, why would people get upset about that? And the reason I believe they get upset about it is because it is a subject that's very near and dear to the devil's heart. Okay? Because the devil um, came to Eve in the Garden of Eden. And he says, Yea, hath God said? So right there he questioned what God said. So basically what people do with these new versions of Bibles is the exact same thing. What they do is they go in and completely, totally rewrite it and reword it. And basically it suits to whatever their agenda is. So if you have an agenda, you want to, you know, keep everybody going on and say, oh, this is okay to do it. What do you do? You just go in and, you know, rewrite it. Come out with another version. And these people just soak it up because, hey, every time they come out with a new version, there's less and less thing listed in there as sin. So what that boils down to is these so-called Christians, they do not want any final authority in their lives. So they want a version that allows anything, basically. And that's what these new versions do. Um, they remove all kinds of stuff. They even remove the commandment to study to show thyself approved. Why? Because they don't want you studying the Bible. Okay? They don't want you studying anything. So, in my opinion, um, anybody that attacks the King James Bible, you know, it's, it's the one. So, you're getting lots of attacks. I saw on the news just the other day that they've banned it over here in one of the states now, they've banned it because of hate speech inside of it. So basically, if the Bible tells you something is wrong and it's sin, um, they're going to ban it. And, you know, I promise you the NIV will never get banned. Why? Because they're just going to change it to suit whoever's doing these rules over here. They're going to take out all the sin. They've just about taken it out already. So, you know, if you were to ask somebody, well, What's your replacement? What's a better replacement for the King James Bible? You know, and they may say, oh, Hebrew or the Greek. You know, they may say ESV or the NSV or NIV or or whatever you can say is okay. I mean, they're going to say nothing is perfect, so it really doesn't matter which one. They're going to tell you that only the originals were the perfect, but have you ever seen the originals? Of course, they haven't. So basically, because nobody has ever seen these originals, you have no standard to go by. So that's that's one of the things you you have you don't have the originals to see. The closest thing you've got to the originals is the King James version. So that's one of the that's the first one is the Bible issue. Now, um, one of the second, there were the number two issue is the Trinity issue. And, um, of course, you have people who will say it's a sin to go against the Trinity, okay? Um, now, I'm not going against the Trinity, per se. And, you know, of course, they'll say, how dare you speak against the Trinity? But Trinity is not in the Bible, okay? Um, the term in the Bible is Godhead, okay? So, in the Bible... In the King James Bible, the Godhead is basically what it teaches is that there are three, and these three are one. Okay, now that's important. You have God, the Father, who is the soul 
of this three, okay? Jesus Christ is the body portion of this three, and the Holy Ghost is the spirit portion of these three, okay? And these three are one, and that's why the Bible says over and over again, there is one God, that's it, okay? There's not three gods, Um. There are not three gods that are somehow three different people, and they're three separate persons, but yet somehow they all claim to have the same title of one God. So, I mean, how does that work? I've heard this over and over again. There's three separate persons, but that's not what the Bible teaches. It says there's one God. And you, we can go over and over and over this again where Jesus refers to himself as the Holy Spirit. He's the same one. He, sends, I'm, he says, I'm going to send you. God is going to send you a comforter. I'm the comforter. And it's just, there's three in one. And the best way to explain that is God, the Father, is the soul. And Jesus Christ is the body. And then the Holy Spirit is the spirit. So you can't have three different people um, sharing the same title of God, okay? Because if you're sharing something, well, then it's not wholly yours. And you cannot claim total ownership of something if you have to share it with two or three other people. So um, when you talk about the Trinity and they say the Trinity is three different persons, I believe that that is false. Now, I have used the word Trinity um, basically to explain the Godhead because people understand Trinity, and I will say three in one, the Trinity, um, but it's not three persons, three separate persons, because that, that's the only thing you got to look out for is some people will say, oh, I believe in the Trinity. It's three complete separate persons, and they try to claim that you know the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not God. He's not Jesus. He's his own person, and he just comes and does whatever he's told to do. When that is not in the Bible, it's the Godhead doctrine, and um, the Holy Spirit is God, is Jesus. Jesus is God. So these three are one. That brings us here to number three. Um, Number three, you have the Jesuits. Now, I have heard from several people. I've watched videos on it. Um seen comments on it that basically people say you don't need to worry about any Jesuits, you know. Um, And it's interesting because there is a Jesuit order, okay? And we we have lots of people in this country that are graduates of Jesuit institutions. Now, if you wonder what a Jesuit is, um, basically, Jesuits, the Jesuit institution was created to bring all people back under the authority of Rome. So one of the greatest threats to a Bible-believing Christian is a Jesuit. Okay? But, you know, you have people who claim to be Bible-believing Christians, and they will tell you, you know, hey, let's not talk about the Jesuits. I mean, we could go back and talk about it, but it was the Jesuits who tried to infiltrate the people who actually... um, you know, put together the King James Bible in 1611. I mean, they tried to get the Jesuits in there to change the writing to get back to what the Catholics said. 
You know, they didn't, the Catholics back then, they didn't want, they didn't want Protestants. They didn't want anybody to read the Bible on their own. So whenever King James commissioned to have this thing, you know, have it translated, they tried to get Jesuits snuck in into the, into the people to infiltrate it, to try to get their own agenda done again. So, you know, Jesuits are real. Okay, let's go on to number four here. Number four is church buildings. Okay. Um, Now, I'm not necessarily ripping on church buildings, believe me, because I do go to church. Um, But some church buildings and some churches are nothing more than social clubs. Um, They are based, some, some churches are based off of a lot of pagan things, the buildings themselves. They're like temples. And they have the phallic steeples on the top, and they're based on Greek Parthenons and some of the architecture and things. And if you look at some of these different churches, you see they're basically pagan buildings, and everything on them is pagan. I mean, they have demons, they have gargoyles, they have all kinds of Gothic-type stuff built into these buildings. Um. Now, you start talking about church buildings, you know, you will have different, you know, Christians who really like their building, which, you know, you could call them temple idolaters. They love that building. Everything revolves around the building instead of Christ. It's the building. Um, You're going to have these temple idolaters coming out and saying, how dare you speak against a holy place? But, uh, and that's fine, Um, but it doesn't really matter you know, all that doesn't really matter. Um, it doesn't matter where you meet, okay? You can meet anywhere and be a Christian. So you don't have to go to a church. I'm not saying all churches are bad, but some churches are bad. Some are nothing more than social clubs. Some some churches may be good, but the people there treat it like a social club. Or you'll have cliques where it's just like back in high school where you have the popular crowd, then you have the not-so-popular crowd, and then you have the losers in the back, you know, and and you get the the group of people there that always get the recognition. and But at the end of the day is they want your money because buildings cost lots of money for upkeep. So just keep that in mind. Okay, that takes us to number five. Number five is segregation. Now, segregation is not racism, okay? Racism is saying that one race is superior to all others and all the other ones should be eliminated or something like that. That's not what the Bible teaches, okay? Segregation, basically, it, it means, according to the Bible, that God has set bounds for habitations, okay? So you keep some people separate to preserve their distinctions. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, Obviously, for example, let's do a really simple example here. You practice segregation in your refrigerator, don't you? I mean, you don't just get one big bowl and say, okay, I'm just going to drop the butter in there and then I'm going to drop the milk in there and Here's some baking soda in the back, and let's throw it in there, and you know I'll dump some hamburger meat in there, and I'll just I'll just put everything together in one big bowl. Now that wouldn't make any sense, would it? Um, so there is a distinction 
that everything is not the same. We're people are not all the same. So in my opinion, it's a devil's, it's a devil's agenda to try to put everybody together and just say, you know what? No segregation of anything at all, ever. Everybody just jump in this pot together and, you know, blur the lines of everything. So this is this, like I said, it's not racism at all. Segregation is not racism. There's there's nothing wrong with keeping some things separate. You know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with, let's say, looking at, you know, black people, Africans, if you will, over there in their country. They have a certain way they dress. It's beautiful. You know, they they it's a beautiful thing to see that in their own deal. It's a beautiful thing to see German people dressing the way that they dress with their distinctions. You know, it's there's nothing wrong with it. It's beautiful to see, you know, Oriental people, Japanese women with their long, beautiful dresses and their hair and everything that sets them, you know, what however they dress. I mean, that's nice. It's nice to be able to look at these different things and say, man, I like this. And look at this one. Look at this one. They're completely distinct. They're completely different. And segregated, if you will. You don't want to just say, you know what, I really like it, but just rip all that stuff off and just throw something else on and just mix it all up and just get rid of everything. I mean, does that? I just don't think that's right. Um, I don't think there's any problem with celebrating diversity. Okay, I mean, there are things that are different for a reason. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. Now, nobody says any one's better than the other. This has nothing to do with race and racism like the devil has tried to make it. I mean, if you listen to the news and stuff, and now, I mean, what's going on now? The devil has got everybody convinced everything's about race. You can't have anything different but where you're racist. It's, that's not the way it's meant to be. God did not design it that way. That is a man-made, devil-made thing. So let's move on to number six, which is gender distinction. And of course, you know, you're going to get lots of people get mad whenever, um, whenever you bring this one up because, you know, I personally think that men ought to look like men and women should look like women. Um, now, as far as how women dress, I mean, you know, years ago they wore dresses. I'm not saying that every woman has to wear a dress by any means. But, you know, there is a difference between men and women, the way they look and the way they dress. I think there should be anyway. But, you know, you had this women's suffrage movement and female rights, and this is years ago. And, you know, these women basically come out and say, hey, we're just as good as men, which they are. And uh, and so they're like, well, we're going to prove it. And so what we're going to do is we're going to start looking like men. So what we're going to do is we're going to cut our hair off and look like a man's haircut, basically. Um, going to cut our hair short. We're going to start wearing pants. And so, hey, you know, to them, like, hey, this is a wonderful thing. But you step back and look what it's done to society and how it's wrecked now. I mean, you get people wearing now, women especially, uh, men do it too. But you get people wearing in the summer months pretty much whatever, you know, basically your underwear or less. So in the summer months now, it is common to see women or men, both just basically almost completely naked, you know, and they wouldn't have even worn that for underwear a hundred years ago or 200 years ago. 
You know, they would have said, no, it's too skimpy for even underwear. But now that's just what they wear out in public. So you get, you know, when you just let yourself go like that and you have you have no distinction, you get to do whatever you want. They don't even distinct whether it's underwear or, or swimming, swimming wear or whatever now. Now you've got a bunch of people walking around, young people. Um, you know, they don't even know. They don't even know what they are. So you can have the girls shop in the boys section, the boys, you know, shop in the girls section. You can have boys um, wearing women's bikinis now and and they've putting them up, you know, they're putting them up in stores and Target and stuff to hide, hide what you are, to pretend you're the opposite. Um, So in my opinion, you know, there is supposed to be distinction. You know, I personally think men, you know, should dress like men. They should probably have some facial hair if they can. I think men need to act and dress like men. They need to look like men and women should look like ladies. You know, they should have long, beautiful hair, possibly wear long, beautiful dresses or modest clothing. They should look feminine. You know, I mean, I think that's what women were designed to do by God. That's how they're supposed to look. And I think that's what they should probably do. So, you know. Of course, the devil, he wants all the lines blurred. He wants men dressed as women, women dressed as men. You can't tell the difference. They don't even know the difference. They claim they're men. You know, that this, this whole thing is just ridiculous. So anyway, so let's go on to number seven, which is pacifism. Um, basically, that is you get people coming out and saying you shouldn't fight. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. Um, if you're a Christian, you can't do anything. You can't defend yourself. You can't be um, you can't be militant of any kind. Um, you know, let's not make any problems. Don't go against the grain of anything, anytime. Just you know, just everything has to be gone along with, regardless of how ridiculous it is. So, you know, some of these guys are like, yeah, I'm I'm not going to carry a gun. Um, you know, I can't, I can't do that. I can't even own a gun if I'm a Christian. And you don't want to judge people. You don't want to cause any problems. You know, you don't want to make any ripple at all. You don't want to make any waves. I mean, you just don't want to do anything. You're just a complete, total pacifist, you know. And you don't, I mean, you want to go along with everything. You don't want to offend anybody. Um, you know, that is not the stand of a true Christian right there. Um, that's a stand of a worldly compromiser is what that is. I personally believe in physical defense. I believe that if somebody is attacking you, you can defend yourself and you should, um, with a gun or anything. I mean, if you're in a country where you can't have a firearm or a gun, then use something else, a baseball bat or anything. But I do believe that you should be defending yourself and your family. Okay. Now we've got number eight. And that is the catching up before the time of Jacob's trouble. Okay. Now, of course, I don't really believe that it is a salvation issue. I mean, so if you don't believe it, you can still be saved. Okay. But um, if you believe that you're going to go into a time, which is Jacob's trouble here, when you're going to hit God's wrath, you're going to get you're going to get hit hard with God's wrath and God's judgment, along with the lost world, I believe that that's pretty foolish. Because, number one, the Bible does not actually call the tribulation. The Bible calls it the time of Jacob's trouble. 
Okay, It's not called the time of the church's purification. What I have done is I've heard, of course, I've heard this my whole life, you have people that come out with basically a false term, and they call it the Great Tribulation. And that's never used as a title in the King James Bible for this coming time period. Um, Now, the Bible does say there will be Great Tribulation, but it's never called as a title. The title of this time is called the time of Jacob's trouble. Um, Of course, in the book of Daniel, it's also called Daniel's 70th week. So, and it says that um, this 70th week are determined upon thy holy people, Israel, because it's for the Jews. You see, it's called the time of Jacob's trouble because it's aimed at the Jews because the Jews rejected Jesus. Now, I personally, and most Gentiles and people in the church age, have not rejected Jesus. So a church-age person like myself, a Gentile who has been saved, we don't need a special time, okay, to test my faith or to test our faith because we have faith. However, the Jews, they need a time that they can have to test their faith because they need to have signs and wonders, just like the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel, that they can have that to con- to confirm who Jesus Christ is. Because, see, they have rejected Jesus Christ. And so the time of Jacob's trouble is going to be to bring them back. Okay? So the Christian was never designed to go through Jacob's trouble. Okay? Um, we, we're going to get caught up. The Bible talks about it in First and Second Thessalonians, the catching away, talks all about it. So we, there, there will be a pre-tribulation rapture. Okay, so we move on to number nine, which is defense of Israel. So I've heard many people, because I watch this stuff all the time, and I listen to these different um, preachers, and basically you have people all the time saying that the Jews are this, the Jews are that, and basically everything gets blamed on the Jews and the Zionist movement um, and different things about conspiracies with the Jews and everything. Um But basically, the Bible says that the Jews in Israel over there are God's people, okay? That's just what they are, so there's no way around that. And I have heard um, Bible-believing Christians say that the Jews are wicked, and they've returned into their land, and, and unbelief, of course, which is exactly as the Bible said it would happen, um... So I'm not defending the fact that they've rejected Jesus Christ, but I am defending that they have the right to be in that land over there because it is their land, and the Bible said they are going to return to that land, and that's exactly what they've done. So like I said, I don't defend them rejecting Jesus, and I don't defend them you know, saying horrible things against Jesus Christ, but I do defend their right to be in that land. Um. Because it's their land, and God gave it to them, and God wants them to be back there, and God is going to return there. So, okay, so number 10 is dispensationalism. So what is dispensationalism? Well, it is the thing of different dispensations and different times where the Lord is dealing with different people. And so the gospel is different, obviously, for different people at different times in the Bible. For example, um, 
Adam and Eve, they were not looking to Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection, to get saved. They didn't know anything about it. They were not, as far as we know, they weren't taught or told anything about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They had no clue. So now there may be different you know, kinds of types of shadows mentioned there of a foreshadowing of what's going to happen in the future, you know, where you have the killing of the lamb and things and his blood being there and whatever paying for their sin, certainly, but they did not have eternal security. They were not calling upon the name of the Lord to be saved. So when you're going all through the Old Testament, there are lots of works involved in the Old Testament for their salvation. Um, even when we get up to the time in the future of Jacob's trouble, there is a lot of stuff you have to do works-wise if you're alive in Jacob's trouble to get to get to heaven. You don't just get the faith, you know, by grace anymore. Grace by faith. You do, you don't get that because you're beyond that. If you miss the rapture and you're stuck in Jacob's trouble, I mean, you know, we I've got a podcast on this, but you know, you're you're hell bound if you're not real careful, and it's going to be real tough to get anywhere but hell. So. Obviously, you're going to have to do some other things in that time, in that dispensation, than you have to do now. So one can't really say that the gospel is always going to be the same now. And, you know, it's always always been the same. It is the same. And it's always going to be the same thing for everlasting. Um, they'll say it's, you know, I've heard people say, and it's in Revelation, where they'll say, well, it's the everlasting gospel. You know, and the gospel's always been the same. But, you know, they take a lot of that stuff out of context there when you're reading um, in Revelation. And basically, if you read the context in this particular one, they're having the faith of Jesus and having to keep the commandments in Revelation 14, verse 12. And they also can't take the mark of the beast. So, I mean, they have things they have to physically do. So there, there's like a faith and works in the time of Jacob's trouble. And that is basically what dispensational teaching is, is you're rightly dividing the word of truth. And that's why you can look at the Old Testament and can say, okay, they're sacrificing animals. They're back here, but over here in the New Testament, they're not. So what's going on? Well, it's called rightly dividing the word of truth according to Second Timothy chapter two, verse 15. And, you know, now they have taken that verse out of all your new Bibles, by the way. They don't want you rightly dividing the word of truth, obviously. So there are dispensations. I mean, I've read several different things on different dispensations. Some people say there's seven. I mean, there's more, there's less. But one of the teachings that I've read um, talks about seven different distinct dispensations but either way, when you start talking about dispensations, you're going to anger somebody, you're going to anger the devil because you, you know, some people don't understand it. They're reading stuff out of Mark, Matthew, Mark, and Luke and trying to say that's, that's what it takes to get saved when they're talking about something for the Jews, has nothing to do with the church age, has nothing to do with a, a modern day Christian, and they're trying to apply that and, you know, basically thinking you can lose your salvation at every turn of the corner. Okay, let's move on to number 11, which is a changed life, okay, repentance, 
and a changed life that's true salvation. So on this one, we won't go, you know, into the whole thing about it, but the point of it is that you get born again as a Christian and your life should change. And it only happens because you've repented. You've come to a place where you said, okay, this is my life. My current life is self-righteous. I've been living a self-righteous life um, and it isn't working. So I need to put my faith in Jesus Christ. I can't save myself here, so I'm going to have to put my faith in Jesus Christ and that he's going to save me. And then after that, change should come. So a changed life comes after that when the Lord saves you. So after you get saved, the Holy Ghost can move into your body and you change your life because the Holy Spirit will help you change your life. So now after you've got saved, if you don't change your life, you know, in some ways, you know, I mean, there are some things that the Lord convicts you about and you're going to get some chastising for, okay? And if there's no chastising at all and you don't get any feelings at all about what you've done wrong after you've done wrong, um, then you're probably not born again. It's just that simple. If you think you're saved and you've accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, um, and he was, you know, died, resurrected, um, shed his blood on the cross, resurrected, um, and the Holy Ghost is able to move inside of you, but you don't feel anything, and you just go ahead and keep on doing whatever you were doing, and it feels great, like whether it's fornication, adultery, whatever, um, then you're not saved. Okay? You're not saved if that's the case. Which leads us to number 12, which is eternal security. Okay, and so we know what eternal security is, but self-righteous people, they don't really like eternal security. Okay, they'll come out all day long and they'll say, yeah, well, but what about the verses in Hebrews, you know, and then they'll try to cross dispensational lines and go over to the time of Jacob's trouble, or if you take the mark of the beast, you lose your salvation, so see, they'll go and they'll get that type of stuff there and they'll bring it into the church age. So they go and they go all over the Bible looking for things that talks about losing salvation, but they don't even consider anything about what dispensation they're in or anything like that. I have never met an actual Bible-believing, dispensational-believing Christian who believes that they can lose their salvation. I mean, the Bible clearly teaches that you cannot lose your salvation, okay? However, you must understand what dispensation you're living in at this moment. So, having said all that, um, I hope you found it interesting. I hope that something in there helps you. And um, like I said, this is um, some stuff that I've come up with, and you may not agree with all of it. Um, I believe that it all to be true. Um, however, you know, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or whatever, give me an email at uh, truthseekers2012 at gmail.com. You can also go check out our website at kennywilliamson.com. Go check that out and just let me know what you think. Have any questions, comments, concerns, whatever, just look me up, send me a message, and we can sure talk about it. So thanks again for listening, and God bless you.